Hey guys, real quick, my name is Ryan, the Anomalous Ambassador of the Airwaves. Thanks for listening in to this Halloween special. If you haven't gone over to HeroParanormal.com, please check it out. For the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can access all the content behind the paywall. There's a ton of it. You can also access that at Patreon. Just search for Hero Paranormal. And if you're listening to this, watching this on YouTube, please, please, please do me a solid. Do me the big favor of liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. Although I will most likely never be monetized on YouTube for a variety of reasons, including the truth. If you do that for me, that will help me break through the algorithm of control. The shadow ban is real. Enjoy. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off on another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization podcast, aka Hero Paranormal. My name's Ryan, the Anomalous Ambassador of the Airwaves, and we've got a heck of a Halloween special for you today. We have the one, the only, Brad Olson. He's going to be talking about what's going on in Antarctica, how the world's power elite are managing things, and what to do. He has a ton of insight. You're going to love this episode. He's in studio, so let me switch over to the video version of this. Enjoy and have a very happy Halloween. Hi guys, this is Ryan, the Anomalous Ambassador of the Airwaves, broadcasting just south of Area 51 at the base of La Madre Mountain with Brad Olson, the one and only. We are here on Halloween. He was cordial enough to come and uh, join me and tell us a little bit about Antarctica technology, which uh, he just did an amazing presentation at a conference here locally. And where do we uh, where do we start off with that? Jumping right in, Ryan. I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, I was down in Antarctica just about five years ago. This time, five years, I was about to fly into Chile. I bought a car. I drove all the way up to Peru. Joined a tour with Nassim Harriman and Brian Forrester. 150 people on that tour all the sacred sites in the sacred valley, and then just kept driving through Bolivia, which is an amazing country, Lake Titicaca, and then the full length down Argentina to get to Ushuaia, which is the southernmost city in the world. And it is where 95% of all the boat traffic go. So got on a sailboat, which is a t harder way to go than a cruise ship or, of course, flying. We got violently ill. And as far as I know, I'm the first researcher in this field to actually go down there in search of all the mysteries that we've heard about in Antarctica. And you mentioned the technology in Antarctica. And while I can't say I found a base or any technology per se, it's not to say it doesn't exist. In fact, there are many locations, one of which we went to called Deception Island, that is notorious for UFOs coming out of this volcanic caldera that's flooded over. So that would be about the closest I got to the high-tech hidden technology. Wow. Well, you've been here. That's boots on the ground. That counts. Um, mm. So I have so many questions. There's obviously a lot of theories around Antarctica. We have mm. Admiral Byrd who went down and claimed to have seen stuff that was out of this world in more tongue-in-cheek and then, well, he passed away under unusual circumstances afterwards. And we have Eric Hecker who's gone down and has um, come forward in front of Congress and testimony and many podcasts. I think he was recently on uh, Valuetainment podcast, which is huge. Mm. I think the only one to go is uh, Rogan. At this point, I had mm. him on my podcast, but he's not the only one. There's a lot of people who have talked about interesting goings on down in Antarctica as far as technology 
and things that are out of this world, uh, were, were you able to see anything that might have you question our reality? Great question. I know Eric Hecker, we met at a conference here in Vegas not too uh, long ago. And he spent a year and one day at the South Pole and just in and out of McMurdo, where I was 26 days on a sailboat to the northern tip of Palmer Peninsula. So completely opposite sides of the continent. What a lot of people don't realize is Antarctica is so huge. It's the fifth largest continent. So to say I was at Palmer and he was at South Pole is like saying Vegas to Chicago, two different entirely parts of the continent. As far as finding some anomalies, everywhere I went, I would go to these research stations and uh, most of them spoke enough English that we could communicate. And my questions were always the same. Do you know anything about lost civilizations or ruins under the ice? I would ask him about the pyramids that are in the Ellsworth range. I would ask him if they knew of this mothership that we've heard of that is also under the ice. And invariably the answer was always no, but I did get some answers that I didn't expect. And one of them was at the Brown base, which is a base run by Argentina on the Palmer Peninsula. And, and they said that about a month before at another sister base called Belgrano II base, pretty much directly south of the new Schwabenland German colony, that they had a UFO sighting about a month before we were there. And the way they were describing it was more like orbs in the sky, but doing maneuvers and in a quite uh, irregular fashion that it couldn't have been a ball of light or a lens flare or something. They definitely saw something moving with intent. And at the time I thought of how crop circles are made. And oftentimes when they get filmed, what you'll see is an orb just kind of zip around and press all the plants down that are interwoven into the land. And if those plants were allowed to keep on growing, after all the tourists trample on them, they do get broken. But if they are left undisturbed, those plants will not only grow back, but have steroids. Like they'll, they'll yield more crop. So there's something about orbs that it, it's right up there with UFOs. And of course, out at the ranch, the first time I was at uh, Space Wolf Research, I did the overnight in your, uh, your, your RV there. And I tried to stay up all night and I was looking out in the, the big field there, you could see to the right. And uh, there were two orange orbs all night, just kind of going back and forth. And I was watching the skyline of the Mesa and I could definitely tell they were moving. Mm -hmm. So again, orbs are uh, right up there with anomalous sightings. It's it's so interesting you say that, that it would kind of radiate this super, mm. super growth coming out of there. Because, you know, they they're recently coming off of Dr. Kate Green's desk, there's been something they're calling interference syndrome, which you you and people in the field have known about this a long time. They used to call it other things. But interference syndrome seems to be, obviously, Kate Green is a CIA doctor mm. who's been involved with like MKUltra and all this. And he has a bunch of slides of people's brains who have been near this high strangeness and exotic mm. propulsion. And it's showing um, something similar that, that, that uh, it, at first it shows like these dead spots in the people's brains, which are they're very worried about. And they've done ICD-10 codes for insurance companies to actually claim it's a very real thing. And the CIA is worried they're going to have to have to pay a lot of people a lot of money. But at the same time, most of the people that they're testing, it seems not only have these dead spots in their MRIs on their brains, but they're able to do these jobs that require a lot of brain power. And they're doing them better in a lot of cases, almost as if they're receiving downloads a lot like a lot like, you know, these crop circles at first it appears damaged but later right it flourishes so that's yep. really interesting um when you were down in antarctica uh everybody knows about mcmurdo so mcmurdo for those that don't know it's kind of the the most popularized base it's kind of the home base where all the all the gear gets taken there correct yeah i had a friend that worked down there a little bit and so i know a little bit of the ins and outs mm. but um Something that horrified me that she told me was that 
if it's snowing, they said, don't pee outside. Drinking is kind of a common pastime. And if there's a snow, snow, a whiteout conditions, they said, don't pee outside, even if you're, you know, three feet from the door, because they've found people just three to six feet from the buildings dead. They couldn't find their way back because it gets so, wow. so white out. Um, was there anything anomalous as the weather itself that you were able to witness? Any Anything uh, that could be attributed to like more natural? Well, we did have one night that it snowed. We had a couple inches on the deck of our boat and we all took turns doing some shoveling. But uh, the coolest thing, the natural phenomenon is we're down there for the midnight sun. So the days are about 20 hours long and uh, then it's twilight for an hour or two, and it only really gets dark for two or three hours because we were there six weeks after the summer solstice in the southern hemisphere, so that's December 21st down there. We got on the boat at the end of January, got within one degree of the Antarctic Circle, and anything at the Antarctic Circle or below on those summer solstice days is 24 hours of daylight. It just stays right up. If you were on the poll, and Eric Hecker confirmed this, because I read about it, I found it so interesting, that the way the 24-hour days are when you're at the pole, and it would also be true for the North Pole, is four months of the sun just corkscrewing around the sky, just horizon to horizon, never setting. But then after four months, it hits the horizon for about two months, and then you get just uh, twilight. Then it goes four months of pitch darkness, and then it comes up a, a, a two-month sunrise again, and then four months circulating around. Wow. Yeah, so it's so cool. And it's, of course, based on the way the Earth tilts when it shows the pole and then it takes it away. Um, flat earthers don't believe that, but I know we're not talking about yeah. that here. No, it's <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty interesting because that, that really, that corkscrewing you're talking mm. about is very much in line with some of those models. Mm. And it's interesting that you talk about the, uh, the black sun because that's also like very free Masonic. They talk about a, a, a black sun and the Nazis too. And the Nazis. And yeah. That's kind of leading into my next question, which is obviously we have new Schwabenland and now we have someone with the name Schwab who is very much pushing for this uh, new world order agenda through the World Economic Forum. Do you see any correlations between some of the powers that be? I mean, in your opinion, do you, did you see any remnants of or talk to anybody that had any information about the, uh, I, I guess, uh, possibility of fortification down there by the Germans? Well, that's a known fact that they did set up the new Schwabenland base in the late 1930s. Uh, the question is, how long did they stay? And was high jump uh, conflict over those bases that they set up? And I think there's more than one. There was, there was stated the base 211, which I think is the first one they went to during the 38 expedition, where they landed a seaplane in the Schumacher Ponds, and it was the pilot's name, Schumacher. He stayed behind with the boat and did water tests to determine that they never freeze because they're heated with geothermal energy. Where the crew went into an area known as the Schumacher Hills for about a week, and then reportedly came back and found what they were looking for. So what they were looking for could have been a defunct reptilian base. There is some data points that suggest it was told where to go, take it, it's abandoned. Or perhaps they found the cave system that connects to the fjord system so they could get the U-boats way up deep into Antarctica. And in my presentation, I show what Antarctica looks like without the ice. And indeed, there are all these fjords that go into the continental landmass. If you knew where you were going, you could take one of those German submarines hundreds of miles Whoa. by water below the ice. Unbelievable. That never even occurred to me. Mm. And kind of going into that uh, scenario of like fjords and going under the ice, there's also some telltale signs that Admiral Byrd spoke of kind of lending credence to the idea of a hollow earth. Right. If I remember correctly i may be mistaken on this but you may have mentioned that there are large cavernous holes down there is mm -hmm. that did, did you have an opportunity to see anything like that 
Did not see it. All I can do is connect data points, including the diary of Admiral Byrd published by his son posthumously after Admiral Byrd passed in uh, the mid-1950s. <clears throat> the son was given the diary and instructed at that point you can publish it. Now there's a couple inconsistencies, mainly with the location in the diary, which calls it the North Pole. They kept saying mm. we're in the Northern Pole. But if you look at the dates, the dates actually are exactly when Admiral Byrd was in Antarctica during Operation High Jump. Exactly. It is the end of 1946 and then early 1947. And that's when he, they were coming out very abruptly two months into the six-month expedition. And he spoke to a journalist from a Chilean newspaper called El Mercurio when they were coming back up for supplies and he said, we would be confronted with an enemy that has the ability to fly pole to pole at incredible speeds. So if he's referring to the Nazis doing their backward engineering on the Hanibu and the real craft, it could be that those were the UFOs that came up out of the water that confronted the Armada in the Battle of High Jump, which was over in one day. Yeah. And it was an absolute route of the Allied forces. Nobody could shoot or penetrate these craft with the guns. They had some kind of force field around it. But in a show of force, they sliced one of the destroyers in half and to say, look, don't mess with us. Because they had done some bombing sorties around uh, base 211 the day before and then the morning of. And those planes the morning of just went completely off radar. Those pilots had never been heard from again. So the, they did in the Battle of High Jump that day, take out all the planes, they returned with no airplanes and they had a submarine that got sunk too. And then that destroyer ship called the USS Murdoch. So that was enough for Admiral Byrd to say, all right, we're out of here. And then they hightailed it out of there. But according to the diary, just a few weeks before the Battle of High Jump, he went from Little America, the base he founded not too far from McMurdo on the other side of the Bay of Wales, and flew with just his radio man. It describes in no uncertain terms that they're flying quite a distance and that they went off radar for three hours. And that's when he said they saw a verdant green landscape with mega flora and mega fauna. And at first they said, is that an elephant? And they looked closer, it was a woolly mammoth. And as they were flying, Presumably in this big hole, which, by the way, Admiral Byrd was the first aviator to fly over the South Pole. So he most certainly would have seen it in 1929, only to be summoned to return in 1946. And he goes back with his radio man and they're flying in this incredible valley. They're saying, well, this should not exist. What is this doing down here? Then all of a sudden, two dish-shaped craft come wingtip to wingtip. First, they lose radio back to Little America, then he loses control of his plane. But they come over the radio with a German accent and say, hello, Admiral Byrd, welcome to the domain. We'll take control of your plane and we'll be landing in a few minutes. Then they come up to this, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, uh, Emerald Palace, it's like shimmering pastel colors. And the two men come out and uh, Admiral Byrd called their UFO flugel rods. They come out of the Flugelrods and they say, you have been summoned by the master, but only Admiral Byrd. The radio man stays behind, wasn't harmed in any way. Admiral Byrd, and he described going across these uh, moving, I don't know if they're levitating or just uh, an escalator that we see in airports and just taking them into the city. And then he goes in and it's this big room and in comes the master and he felt like the master had telepathic abilities, but was saying, and this is in 1946, we're very concerned about the nuclear testing that have been taking place at White Sands and then Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We, you're a very highly admired person here in the domain, which they called the Ariani uh, domain. That's the name of their city, of their people. And I think that is the new Berlin base that they had already discovered in 1943 when Admiral Dolenz of the U-Boat Force says, that we have created an impregnable fortress, presumably in a landscape of ice, for the Fuhrer. 
And many historians now agree that Hitler did not die in the bunkers in Berlin, but escaped via U-boat to South America, and he probably went down to New Schwabenland in New Berlin. This is fascinating. This reminds me of a tale. I'm amazed by everything Admiral Byrd, but mm. uh, Linda Moulton Howe had a really interesting guest, or I guess I should call him a whistleblower, who um, encountered something very similar to this Emerald City you're talking about. Oh, uh, in Antarctica? In Antarctica. Under the ice? Or? Yeah, I, I cannot remember the name or his his alias. I'll Brian think. S. or Spartan 1 and Spartan, Spartan 2? Spartan 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it was like very very similar the story, um, but this kind of falls right into line with the reality that, from what I understand, there's a lot of areas in Antarctica where regular citizens like you and I just can't go. Is that is that a, is that technically right? That is technically right, but there are no fly zones. Eric Hecker would agree there is one over this area of the ice, but he says you can fly at altitude. But you can't really fly at altitude because you're expanding the whole continent. You'd have to come down to low altitude where he says there is a no-fly zone to refuel. Unless you're in a real big tankered plane and those are pretty rare down there. So all I could find out was there definitely was a no-fly zone over this portion of the South Pole and others like it. But I talked to a tour group that sends groups of people down there. If you have a big enough budget... I asked him, could we go to the pyramids in the Ellsworth range? He's like, oh yeah, we fly over those all the time. I said, what do you think they are? He just said they're a nun attack, which is just an attractive mountain sticking out of the ice. And I said, well, have you ever landed there? Did anybody go climb it or take a sample? He's like, no, no, we just fly over it and look at it. So they think it's a mountain, but I think it's worth some more investigation. But to answer your question, I only found those couple no-fly zones as the only no place you're not allowed to go. Uh, so for the most part, this tour group company said, sure, you got a budget. We'll take you where you want to go. They'll make it happen. Yeah, they'll make That's it happen. cool. So if I went back, I'd go with a film crew and I'd like to go to New Schwabenland and yeah. come with some Geiger counters and see if the, uh, there was a high atmospheric atomic bomb test in the late 1950s called Project Argus. And it's still classified as is high jump. You can't get the records on them. They won't release them. So Operation Argus should have just been like White Sands. Oh, we're going to test some uh, high-altitude nukes. But <laughs> there's pretty good evidence that this was retribution for the loss at the Battle of High Jump, that they went down there with nukes to hit New Schwabenland. So radiation would still be around. Geiger counters could prove that theory one way or another. And I'm glad that we're still talking about high jump because when you research this, a lot, all of the things that they took down there far outweighed the official story of why they were going down there. I mean, the footage of that massive, what is that, like a truck, Unimog looking yeah, thing, yeah, bigger yeah. than anything I've ever seen in my life, an ice breaking six by six, or I don't even know how many wheels. And then the all the planes, um, the best planes, the best boats fully armed to the hilt. And from what I understand, these craft, I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm right here, but some of them had swastikas on them. They did. The okay. flugel rods that Admiral Byrd saw that escorted him in and escorted him out. And then they came out of the hole. They had radio contact with uh, Little America again, and, and him and the radio man uh, were the only witnesses to this. But they said there were swastikas on it, and they were German or Nordic-speaking accents, speaking in English. Yeah, as well as the master. And so it's this. It's but it also gives credibility to this whole notion of this this master race, these Nordic or Aryans that came from inner Earth, mm -hmm. the the Agartha and the the Shangri La and. Uh, Asia, there's all these locations and the Nazis really were going there hunting for all this stuff uh, before the war started. They were seeking out all this hidden knowledge. It's fascinating. It is just so very interesting that the whole Admiral Byrd event was, oh, we're just going down to get some scientific information. Not exactly sure what that is, but we're just going to poke around and... Um, 
yet we have all of these people, some, I believe they're all dead now, but I spoke with somebody who actually interviewed one of the soldiers that went with him and showed him the, showed him the, the, the suit he was wearing. At this point, I think he was in his nineties. It was uh, Dr. A. Truott that, that interviewed this guy. And he said, basically off camera, unofficially, yes, every, everything that you're saying, mm. the Nazis, their presence there, the swastikas, and the fact that they just got it, their tails kicked, for yeah. lack of a better word. Right. Um, so that technology now, do you think that's been incorporated or is there still this uh, Emerald City that's possibly down there? That's the big question. I just did an interview yesterday on Patriot Underground and we were talking about uh, this timeline that Alex Collier mentioned at the Orlando conference I was speaking at last weekend where Alex Collier said in the year 2021, they had basically extracted all the malevolent ETs that were messing with humanity or giving back cover to the cabal. See, they had fourth dimensional backup. They could work in the occult realms. They could work in the spiritual realms. And that gave them a huge advantage. So what Alex Collier was saying that in 2021, just less than two years ago, the last of the real baddies are out of here. So now humanity is tasked to set up the future they want for themselves. Can we do it without having this interference? But how it ties into Antarctica was in that same year, in 2021, there was a, a rush of German-speaking soldiers that just had to get out of there immediately and were showing up at McMurdo. Get us on the next plane. Get us out of here. All the money you want. Get us out of here. So there was sort of this uh, this breakdown. Concurrently, also in the year 2021, was when they had these very anomalous earthquakes at 10 kilometers down. There's all these earthquakes going on around the world. 10 kilometers down is the level where they put the, uh, the Mach 2 speed tubes for the trains. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole underground network of these trains that link these uh, bases. And in 2021, there were some earthquakes between South America and the Palmer region of Antarctica. And Gene Decode and others were saying that they took out the base that year. They took out their escape too. So now they could only go to the surface and get planes out, at least these uh, German speaking ones. So I find that uh, very interesting data points too, that something yeah. changed down there and maybe they did get to that Emerald City or at least quarantine it off. So these uh, these entities that sort of left, it sounds like we're sort of on our own right now. That it with as as we're inching towards a possible you know apocalyptic third world sure. war here. <laughs> I hope not. Is is this you know is this a good thing? I don't know. Like I'm wondering. Let's talk real because I, I don't want to skirt around the issue. Is it possible that these entities are the vril that were spoken of back in the forties? That, that's such an interesting word because it actually has several different meanings. The first meaning was the Vril women, the Vril society, the long-haired women post-World War I in a Bavarian hunting lodge in the early 1920s. So it was Maria Orsic and Sigril, these really beautiful women, German women that grew their hair down to their waist. And my uh, filmmaker friend, Frank Jacob, he lives in... Uh, Birch's Garden, and they found they found the hunting lodge where the Vril would meet. Yeah. And while they were there, and Alex Collier verifies this, they were telepathically communicating with the Andromedans, same ones he does communicate with. And at the time, the Germans were poised to be the most technologically advanced society in the world. They could have done it. If they'd not gone to war, they would have been the utopian technology powerhouse of the world. So I think at the time, the Andromedians thought they could trust them with this technology. It went to the Vril women and the Vril women then got upsurped by the Thule Society. And that's with, with Himmler and Hermann Hess and Adolf Hitler, all members of the Thule Society, this occult group. Mm -hmm. And then they also created the Ananerbi, which was seeking out these relics and the origin of the Germanic people, which they thought came from under the earth. So the Vril women were first, and with that technology, they created 
uh, Vril craft. There was a line of smaller UFOs called the Vril, and they operated on Vril energy, V-R-I-L, or I've also seen it spelled with a K, Kirill, but it's spelled pretty much, pronounced the same. Yeah. And so then, then finally, the fourth Vril are these tiny little reptoid lizards, which in a ritual go through the eye and take over a person. That's where you see the black eye club, all the big celebrities, mm-hmm. and also the whole holding the hand over the eye stuff. Yeah, That's occult symbolism for this Vril ritual. So there, there's this tie-in between high technology uh, and reptilian influence on humans, especially the, the policymakers, because once this, this real lizard is inside, I was on with uh, Nicholas Venyamin on his show uh, a year or two ago, and he just wanted to talk about real lizards the whole time, because it, it's fascinating. It's hard not to. And all I did was tell him what I just told you. And, and so this real technology or these real lizards, which might be small versions of reptiles because they take over the body and they highly sexualize the person. Mm-hmm. And then they get a taste for blood and ritual and all the weird stuff we've heard around that. Yeah. So, but it's funny because it always ties back to Antarctica. There's always this Antarctica connection. Well, I'm fascinated by the little lizard as well because yeah. nobody talks about this. Mm-mm. This is something that's like so held deep within the layers of the onion. Yeah. And yet it seems that everybody that joins this black eye club, this tends to happen at the pinnacle of their career, career, right? Right. When they're like on top of the world. Right. And they all have randomly pathetic excuses about why they have a black eye. I fell and hit my eye at the corner of a table. Oh, really, Mr. Pope? I don't think so. Yeah. Or George Bush, both of the Bushes, John Kerry, I mean, the list goes on. McCain, yep. Reed. Harry Reid. It goes on and on. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's unbelievable how many people have this story. And uh, it it, I, it 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 just ties so perfectly when you know you start talking about the power class, the super elites, and how they are always called lizards, jokingly by by theorists. You know, maybe there is something to this. I don't think it came from nowhere. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. right. Totally. Okay. So. Um, Move, I, I don't want to get off the lizard topic, but I know if I keep following it, it's, it's going to get really weird. So um, with the with the Vril and the esoteric, when it mm. came, the, everybody knows the Nazis were very esoteric and the Anunnaki yeah. were after all these esoteric occult. That's right. Uh, it, you know, it's very Indiana Jones-ish. The, oh, it, yeah. That, that, based on a true story. All yeah. really based on a true story. They wanted all these relics you know the spirit of destiny the uh, you name it they wanted it if it had a cult power they believed that it was necessary for um gaining what they wanted and i 100 percent agree that i mean the language as far as engineering is is it's formulated to just work uh i was talking about this with somebody just the other day you know it's really come full circle now that companies like Rolls Royce, which were part of the crown, are now owned by like BMW, you know, it's like everything's come full circle engineering wise. And Germany is still a massive world power. One that, I mean, just imagine if we would not have decimated them in the 40s, where they would be. It just, we would pale in comparison. So getting back to Getting back to the Anunnabi in Antarctica, mm. were there any relics that you were aware of that were found down in the ice? Oh, well, one that is reportedly still down in the ice is the Spear of Destiny, the spear that pierced Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. And it made its way to Germany. And even the First Reich, which was under King Charlemagne in the Middle Ages, which created the Holy Roman Empire, the legend was that if your army had the spirit of destiny, that you were invincible. You had the power of God behind you and no other army, even if you're greatly outnumbered, could match that. So the very first thing Hitler did when he annexed Austria in 1939 was go to the Museum of Antiquities and acquired the spirit of destiny. Now, whether that was the same spirit that pierced Christ don't know, but it does seem to be the same Spear of Destiny that Charlemagne believed was the real relic. And so they were, of course, the Third Reich. And then when the war was over, they took it down to Antarctica 
where it became the Fourth Reich. And the Fourth Reich is another thing that nobody talks about. And that is, at the end of World War II, they had already looted all of Europe. They got priceless paintings and artifacts, but metric tons of gold, as well as ownership rights in many of the corporations. That's what the cabal is today. Mm -hmm. They got the money out of there, and then they bought these massive land holdings in South America that I was going over maps five years ago. It's like these, these land holdings in Brazil and Argentina and Chile are the size of some of our small states, and they basically operate as micronations. Wow. So they have their own laws and they are their own standing armies, too, and you cannot penetrate in there. Just think, all of the dictators in South America in the 60s and 70s Pinochet, uh, Peron, they were all put in by our CIA to basically give cover to this Fourth Reich, which is now understood to be a third force during the Cold War. So you had the, the Allies and then the Soviet bloc, but all the while there's this third force, the Fourth Reich, fanning the flames of discontent to keep us at each other's throat. Meanwhile, they're operating the big corporations in this new form of fascism. Because remember when we were in school, you would learn that fascism, well, that's what Mussolini did. He was top of government or Hitler, and then they took over all the corporations. Now the new fascism is the corporations control the government. But who controls those corporations? Well, that's this cabal. And they have this high technology because, as you know, they got their fingers in all the aerospace stuff. And they're, they get connections. Well, look, we're right out the back door of Area 51. This is mm -hmm. the... The proving grounds. A hundred percent. It is so interesting that the tail is now wagging the dog, but yep. major corporations are more powerful than any government. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you get BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and they all own major shares of each other. Yeah. It's like, that's the new Holy Trinity. Yeah. Um, what's super scary about this, Brad, is so we have these major corporations that Obviously, many of the elites who have been elite for as they're multi generational at this yeah. point. Uh, you know, the, these guys aren't too worried about the same things you and I worry about. They're they're worried about whether the West Wing of the castle uh, is getting Wi Fi, and, <laughs> and and it makes me wonder. You know, a lot of people don't realize how realistic this is. When I went to Europe, I went to Europe. It's funny that the F one is coming here to Vegas because I went to. Nice, and it was the, t the time when they were doing the Monaco race. And we were about 30 miles, 25 to 30 miles outside of Monaco and staying at a hotel that we could barely afford. And this was like the Euro trash overflow, <laughs> you know, not the super elites. And the wealth that I saw there at the hotel we were at, I, I could not fathom. Mm. And we were told by our taxi driver, oh, yeah, these are just the wannabes. Like, the real big deals are over there, like in Monaco, and the prices are outrageous. And, you know, they go to every single race because they have nothing else to do. And they get to hobnob. And this hobnobbing, we, we hear this all the time. I'm glad you brought up the Fourth Reich because mm. there is a secret power elite that runs everything right. regardless of any of these governments. Yeah. And I think that they now can do so almost legitimately through stocks and ownership and right including control the media they own it all 100 so you control the narrative and then you can steer people's attention where you want it and bury stories if they make you look bad or prop up nonsense stories to make people think about other things yeah so it's really a brilliant ploy to get people off their trail but when you start getting on the trail you see there's overwhelming evidence that the Fourth Reich did set up post-World War II. The money man, Martin Bormann, at the end of the war, he was the number two right behind Hitler. And he keeps popping up all over South America. He lived out his natural life. Hitler lived out his natural life. We were even reading in the Lonely Planet going through this little town in Bolivia that there was a sawmill and, the, and in the back of the sawmill was this modest little house where Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Leon, got a new name, a new passport through the Red Cross and the Vatican, the rat lines, and lived out his whole life. You yeah. know, he should have been in Nuremberg trials. Uh, that was just a show trial to take out a dozen of them. I mean, there are literally hundreds of Nazis that 
should have been put on war crimes against humanity and escape justice. Well, we just saw one praised by Trudeau and the Remember government that? in Canada. Was that, that ridiculous? Was re- that was like this month, wasn't it? And we got the new <laughs> resurgence of Nazis in Ukraine. And you know what, Ryan? They were even seen wearing the Black Sun logo. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that is like deep occultic yeah. symbolism. Yeah. Um, the Black Sun, for those that are unaware, is so it's so deep and dark. Mm. This it's this it's this worldview that there is the sun, the moon, and then a black sun. Mm. And the black sun rears its ugly head occasionally, if I'm not mistaken. How, do you know how that works? I've seen the videos, and it's so confusing that it's actually difficult to still understand. Kind of like a black hole in a way that it, it, it will come around and just suck all the light into it. It's the opposite of the sun. It doesn't shine, but it, it takes light in, as they say a black hole does. But maybe it, they're all over the place, and we have one in our solar system, kind of like Planet X or one of these... They do say that, and it was this was on 60 Minutes about six years ago, that they have proven mathematically that there is a large body in our solar system. It had a real oblong orbit, but they could measure the gravity pull of this object to determine that it exists, even though they say, we haven't spotted it yet. But I think they probably yeah. know where it is. And I think the Nazis knew where it was. And that was their, that was their savior. That was about as deep as the occult could go. In the... Uh, Wee Weaselberg Castle in Germany, which was the tip of the spear, again, the spear of destiny, but they had planned out a whole city around uh, this Wee Weaselberg Castle, which has a motif of the black sun in it. And Spartan 1 and Spartan 2 said they saw it as one of the glyphs inside that big basalt craft that they entered. Unbelievable. So it just reoccurs, the yeah. same symbol all over the place. You know, I've seen this, I, I've seen some videos online and one in particular keeps getting pulled down from first it was on Bumble. Then it was on anyway, they, they, they keep pulling it down from uh, all these different video centers. But when you see it, it's, and it's lengthy and it's, if I'm not mistaken, it is a uh, Russian oligarch Freemason explaining the black sun in real time without any words using just drawings. And it's, it's fascinating. And when you watch it, you realize like, Oh, this makes perfect sense, and within a day you forget it. It's that. Tech- <laughs> it's that. It's that. Like, te- it's technical. Um, it basically, it's like anyway. It, it goes into the arena of worldview and how you view your reality around you. Mm. But um, speaking of Freemasons and a lot of the occult nature of the things we're discussing. I I was just talking recently about how interesting it is that here we are in twenty twenty three. You know, you get rid of the zero, it's three, two, two backwards. Mm. Order of skull and bones. Right. We have the Georgia Guidestones, which first they said got hit by lightning. Now it appears somebody threw a cherry bomb and just disappeared. But these Guidestones still had the dates on which these uh, things were to be unearthed, the the time capsule below Mm -hmm. them. They were still blank. And I find it interesting that these Guidestones were supposed to, if there was an apocalyptic Armageddon event, tell those who survived how to build back up so this wouldn't happen again, the guide. And yet these came out March 22nd, 1980, which is again, 322. Ah. And they were destroyed this year. What's odd is that we now have the numerology is just getting very strange because we have this, I don't want to go into the war whole, the the whole possible Mm. world war scenario, but we had 33 years. Let's see. October 10th is when this 40 babies decapitated baby uh, story came out. And I believe through the Israel times and then 33 years before that to the day. And I believe the hour I'm still trying to get the timeline correct, but definitely to the day we had Niyara come forward, um, who was ended up being the daughter of a Kuwaiti ambassador to the United States. Oh, yeah, she, yeah, was, yeah. she was preemptively told what to say right. through Hill and Norton, an American public relations firm. And it was all fake. Yeah, so 33 years to the day, we still see these, wow. these false, what do they call it? False false atrocity propaganda. Right. What do you think? Crisis actors. Crisis actors. 
it's so difficult that, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on across the planet because mm. we have the media who is literally, like you said, totally. controlled by the same puppet yeah. masters. What do we believe? How do you, how do you, without going into the whole war thing, how do you, how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? Right. Great question. And we are at that point where now a, a majority of people are starting to see that our media in this country is propaganda. It's fake news. Uh, this took a while. In Russia, I have this Russian friend we play volleyball with in San Francisco. He says, you Americans, you uh, listen to your news. You believe it. Uh, you know, we in the uh, Soviet Union, we always knew it was propaganda. We never believe it. <laughs> but you Americans, you do believe it. I don't know why. But now we're coming to see. Yeah, we're Pravda. <laughs> we're, we're just as fake as they ever were. Uh, but again, it's run by the corporations now who have now control over the government entities. So the, the fascism definition has actually flipped. Whereas in the time of the Soviets, Pravda was run by government entities. But anytime you get top heavy like that and there's no accountability, and I mean, you can even argue in this country, our elections have been stolen and we really don't have any power over this. However, Trump got in uh, quite miraculously. And this year coming up, Ryan, I think it's going to be one of the most pivotal years for humanity. This is what history books are going to write about this period we're in now and these macro changes because we're just on the verge of having a meaningful, open dialogue relationship with our space brothers out there. Uh, I think they had to clear all the malevolence out of here first before humans could reach out and do a CE5 and say, hey, we want to have meaningful contact with you. And I do know at a lot of these conferences, some of them are successful. And a couple of years ago, I contacted in the desert, Stephen Greer at 3.30 in the morning. I know a dozen people that said they saw a little gray walk up on stage. It was only about one minute and half the crowd was asleep. But everybody that saw it, it's like either that was a really good little actor or something's going on that these CE5 events can happen. I've been up to uh, East Seti Ranch mm -hmm. in Washington State and both nights just lights coming and going into that mountain, Mount Adams. It's just remarkable. And it's James Gillen's land. He even has these lasers. He's shining up. We're all looking at him and everybody's going, flare up, fire up, fire up. And sure enough, they light up. And then they come back and then they keep on traveling. So it's like they have some kind of connection with our consciousness or can hear us. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. What a time to be alive and to witness all this. It is fascinating. And I think that we are definitely on, like, it's it's right there. It's mm. a game of seconds and inches right now, depending on how things go. Not only geopolitically, but um, getting back to the numerology and the strange, mm. you know, we have obviously the occult numbers, 33. A lot of these secret societies utilize that. And, um, and and who's in charge of of these of these political? I guess they're puppets at this point. Anything political is really they're just middle management. Right. Uh, I was just reading yeah. that uh, Newsom is being groomed, obviously, to be a presidential sure. candidate. And fascinatingly, he's funded by a bunch of AI pushing transhumanist Silicon Valley <laughs> folks. Uh, the Getty, uh, Gordon Getty. Yep. Um, the list goes on and on. You know who his aunt is? No. Nancy Pelosi. Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that see, that's just Dynasty it. California family, just yeah. like Jerry Brown and his father, who and is also a governor of California. Unbelievable. And I guess, if I'm not mistaken, Gordon Getty's. Uh, no, let's see. Let's get this right. Gavin Newsom's dad was the Getty, he managed the Getty Trust. Yep, yep. So they were best friends. And they got Getty money coming they in. They got this Getty money too. coming yep, in. Big time. And another strange thing is talking about switching sides and changing teams and all of this. Interestingly, if I'm not mistaken, Gavin Newsom's ex-wife, uh, Gilfoyle, is yep. now with Donald Trump Jr., Oh, really? Yeah, which I, <laughs> this blew my mind. Um, but people are becoming aware of what's taking place and they're appropriately taking a stance. It, it seems as if, um, you know, it's, these guys are literally being backed by, again, what we were talking about, the big three, major corporations, major global interests, because the, the you know, the globalists 
it's more about a world, new world economy, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the order is coming from. So back to the numerology of the 33. And yeah. just, to, just to touch on this super quick. Um, in your opinion, do you think this all revolves back to a lot of this biblical stuff like Christ dying at the age of 33? Mm. The, uh, you know, uh, the, the possibility that the occult and the, the, the Gnostic mm. belief system that possibly, you know, in the Bible itself, I, I believe it shows the sun of the morning or uh, the morning star is both Jesus and then at the same time Satan, I think, are the two. The one time that Satan is described, it's also by the same name, sun of the morning right. or the morning star. Right. What What is going on in this occult arena mm. that these, these tongue-in-cheek kind of wink and nods, cheers at these back elite parties, they know that this numerology means something. Are they putting that out there? For us to see, just to say, this is all pre-planned, this is all predictively planned, and there's nothing you can do about it? Or what's your opinion of it? Well, they like to make us think we can do nothing about it, but they have to do what's called the revelation of the method. They have to put it out there, because we are a free will planet. We have the right to choose. But they feel like if we're too dumb or distracted to see what they're putting out there in this free will world, if we miss it, well, then we get what's coming to us. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the depopulation agenda comes from uh, and, and what they're doing to humanity quite illegally, the chemtrailing of the skies. That's a crime against humanity, yet we see it taking place every single day. And we're now breathing these nanoparticles that are self-assembling in our body and this synthetic biology. Nobody gave their consent for this but they're just doing it to us. So th that's another reason why we're at such a huge crux of civilization, which way we're going to go. It's like walking the razor's edge. One way could be the worst form of transhumanist fascism, make George Orwell roll over in his grave how bad it could be. Or we get rid of these guys and we enter an age of transparency where you can't do this kind of thing anymore. And I think that's what our space benevolent brothers and sisters are waiting for to see that the earthlings are going to do the right thing and bring everybody up. Right? All, all ships rise in a high tide, mm -hmm. but we still have people here on planet Earth that are going to bed starving. So we can't even take care of our own. I think a lot of that is by design. We're not giving the opportunity to lift those boats up. But if we could, we would. And we could turn this planet back to a garden. Look, with free energy, we could have desalinization plants at all the deserts and turn the deserts back into gardens with fresh water. Planet is 71% covered in water. We got oceans galore. Mm -hmm. So there's no shortage of water. We just got to convert it to fresh water. So there's all these kind of things we can do. Put bots out in the ocean and clean up the gyres, all the garbage that's floating out there, and really restore this planet the way it should be. Because we're going down a path that is not sustainable. Everybody knows that. And once again, back to Antarctica, I start out my presentation showing this map of heat in the last decade. There are some places like the Palmer Peninsula I went where there is very discernible melting global, I don't want to call it warming, because there are other areas that are global cooling on Antarctica. They're in blue places where the snow level is getting higher and it's on average colder. So in, in some miraculous way, Mother Nature knows how to balance it out. And that's why we haven't had yeah. really catastrophic coastal flooding. I 100% believe in the global cooling thing. It's so crazy yeah. when, you're, when you're in it, when you're up at like Space Wolf Research or in the Uina Basin, it, it's getting colder it's getting and cold. colder. <laughs> and um, so not to go totally way off on the whole worldview thing, but you did mention like the Space Brothers. And I just want to quickly touch on space because you were recently down in Florida with like Billy Carson. Yeah. And you know, you probably know um, he he's he's talked about this as well. Again, the number 33 when it comes to space flight, you need to be 30 Mach 33 uh, to escape the uh, Earth's. Ooh, uh, yeah. orbit you have obviously the elon musk's new rocket with 33 thrusters you have i believe runway 33 is where the space shuttle runs mm. and lands in florida 
And then there is, of course, uh, the coastline and 33 degrees if you measure it. Anyway, that's the, right. The Great Pyramids on the 33rd that's degree right. parallel. And so, of course, 33 is the highest level of masonry you can attain as well. Yeah. That's why they like to name everything of it or seed this number out there. So they're putting it out there. It's the revelation of the method. A hundred percent. Yeah. Is, so it's almost as if like these, is it by design or is it that our, our matrix is so faulty that it has these glitches that just keep popping <laughs> up, you know? Or they find ways to just insert that 33 any chance they get. And of course, NASA is rife with 33 oh, all over the place. And back to the Nazis. Yeah. Back back yeah. to Werner von Braun. Yeah. And actually that little image up there is, uh, or that little frame that's a notice from William Schneider, who worked with Bigelow Aerospace oh, when, he, wow. when he worked with NASA, talking about Werner von Braun. But anyway, I'm a big fan of von Braun because that fast forward to today, he wrote a book about Mars, Project Mars, and said that the guy that would take us to Mars would be named Elon. Here we are in 2023. Get Space rid of the zero. You're three, <laughs> two, two. And we have Elon with SpaceX. Um, talking about going to Mars. So back to the 33s really quick. And this is, I, I know that I'm killing the 33 thing. It's too much, really. It's its more than, it gets old. But the way it was explained to me is 99% of the power is held by 1%. Right. So that's like 33 times 3 held, by, the, held by what's left over, the 1%. And the average CEO is making, I think this year was $15 million, where the average middle American families making 63,000. Mm. And these CEOs are like lower management to the elites we're talking about. Mm. These are just like the puppets. So if we have these puppets like Newsom and well, pretty much any political puppet that we may be dealing with sponsored and paid for by this middle management cabal mm -hmm. without go calling them anything else, <laughs> the, um, how do you ever get a good look at the superclass or power elite that are really pulling the strings? Have you had any inklings as to who some of these people are? Are they actually the 13 Illuminati bloodline families or is there more to it now? And then the, the other thing you have to factor in, are they completely human? Because there's also the hybridization and uh, cloning that we know is taking place. Who are these people? Right. But... There's an old saying in journalism, Ryan, if you can't make sense of a story, follow the money. And when you follow the money, the Swiss did a study, I profile it in my book, Future Esoteric. That, right up there. Right great, up there. Great book. There it is. <laughs> Get that book. That they found that 80 plus percent of all the assets within corporations broke it down to 146 individuals. Wow. So you really have a superpower elite above the what you were describing as this middle management. I call them the cutouts, the ones that are making a huge salary to follow the orders of the super elite. But then who are these super elite? And are they even human after all? Because that's the weirdest thing about Earth is we don't really know who's making these decisions. Who's saying right out there, fly the chemtrails over Vegas right now? Who's mm -hmm. making that order? Mm -hmm. We can see it with our own eyes. It's happening right there. Yeah. But who the heck's doing it? How come the Air Force is shooting those down? Or what people have been asking me lately, why isn't Space Force taking control of the skies? Because we got two military arms right now that control above the Earth. Maybe one is Black Hat, maybe one is White Hat is what I'm hearing, but they just haven't been able to uh, take over the Air Force yet, which are Black Hats. And this, yeah, we, we nobody really knows what Space Force is doing. We just know that they exist, right? Mm. And that's, and if I'm not mistaken, the craft that they use is also an X-33. But let's not go there. <laughs> um, the unmanned, of course, they claim. Uh, so getting into the future and the esoteric, where this is all headed, mm. the uh, something that I struggle with, and this is it's difficult because we keep hearing about this October collapse. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Mm. Do you think that's going to take place this year? Well, today's Halloween, so it's got a couple hours to go. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's not, I mean, it's, it's ugly, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going right. to be, right? No. Well, we had the whole thing in Gaza start up in October, so that is looking like it's moving to the 
ground war phase, and then that could trigger a whole bunch of other things. And there was talking to Patriot Underground yesterday that if Turkey takes the side of Gaza and if U.S. doesn't give Israel its full support, all the other Arab countries are just going to glom on. And remember, there was a Q post that said they were going to save Israel for last, mm -hmm. that that would be the final takedown. I, the way I read it, the, the final takedown of the call. Them and the Swiss in Geneva, which is the World Economic Forum, which is the WHO, and also Gavi, the vaccine mandate. And by the way, all three of those organizations have total uh, government immunity. Nobody can touch them. And so one of the sons of the founders of the WAF is coming out right now. Just this week, he's making these announcements saying these people need to be rounded up. They got to be arrested. This global cabal has just poisoned humanity. Mm -hmm. And they're doing massive crimes against humanity. And why is the Swiss government giving them immunity? Let's get in those places and raid them. So like James Gillen says about the chemtrails, as long as you see them spraying, there's still a dark agenda at hand on this planet. And that's a good telltale sign that we have not taken these guys down yet. And there is this struggle behind the scenes of the white hats versus the black hats. And you can see some progress on both ends, but the black hats are this dark cabal. They're still in control. I like that. I like that. When you see clear skies, you know there's clear yeah. skies. Give us six months or a year without chemis, and then maybe we're uh, winning this war. And I'm going to try to squeak something under the line, and that is this line city that they have, this utopian oh, city yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Isn't that a trip? Unbelievable. So if they build this, I mean, it's literally built like a wartime trench. Mm. My fear is obviously one of the wealthiest in my opinion, most power, he is the most powerful political figure, I believe, that exists right now, but still politically. And um, Mohammed bin Salman, if yeah. he builds this city and ends up taking the side of Palestine, how on earth are we going, well, any, I say we, but I want nothing to do with it. How is anybody going to attack a city that's built like a war trench? Is, right. Could, do you think this could be a possibility that this city is built not only to to you know be this utopian nightmare this uh, dystopian future where everything is there's wi-fi literally running through everything which brings me to i heard in wuhan you can go outside the fa facial recognition is so advanced at this point mm. you don't need your phone on you you can go outside wow. and if you stand next to a, a telephone pole you can say I want an Uber. It will scan your face, access your account, and send you an Uber. Ooh. And this is what they're hoping to have right. in, I think they call it the line, yeah. the city. Um, so if if this takes place, and there's a lot of strange things, you know, they're calling it the new 9-11. We had the guy that jumped into the reflection pond. He was 33 years old. Anyway, my point is, if this all takes place, if there is this planned, I'm sure third world war for the benefit of the military industrial complex and its shareholders. What is the catastrophic events that you see taking place mm. in the Middle East? Will it include Saudi Arabia? Yeah. I mean, if this turns into a wider war, it could envelop all those countries. Remember how world war one started. The Archduke Ferdinand was shot down in Serbia, but then Hungary had to take the sides of the Germans and then everybody else was with the allies. And then you have a World War I conflagration. So one little match can light off and trigger quite a bit of other things. I just hope cooler heads will prevail, that there won't be nuclear exchange. And I've been told that the ET airspace brothers won't allow that to happen either. And testimony at some of the uh, disclosure uh, events with Dr. Stephen Greer. They even showed a video of loaded missiles going out of Vandenberg and a UFO coming up with a beam of light and just hitting it several times and just rendering it weightless and falling back to the earth. I think that's them saying, you're not going to do that. Yeah. But there could very well be a heavy loss of life. Now, the line, maybe that is like a bunker where you could just move up and down the Saudi Peninsula. I've been to the Red Sea. It is so blazing hot there that you kind of would need to be indoors or semi-underground <laughs> just to stay yeah. cool. It's pretty inhospitable. It's it's a, it's crazy. And the poor the poor peasants that are along that corridor, they're just, if you don't sell, I hear they just kill you uh, uh, as they move along. But um, 
really quick, you brought something up that I'm, I, again, going to try to sneak one more thing in. <laughs> and that is, you know, this wartime UFO sightings. The astronomical societies in Ukraine are seeing them every yeah. day at heightened levels. We have uh, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell releasing that Mosul, uh, that silvery blue orb going down the, literally it looks like it's going down the street of Mosul during um, our time in the Middle East. And it seems as if UFOs are more frequent during war times. Are the gods somewhat interfering like the <laughs> Greeks said and like the other, the Egyptians? They all believe that the god, the the small g gods would interfere at wartime mm. it, have, have you heard anything about that 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 they would and they would if there was full nuclear exchange going off i think they would intercede but of course right here in las vegas we had that very anomalous ufo sighting in a backyard i mean they're coming right to our neighborhoods now ryan so uh geez it's, it's it seems like it's not just worldwide or in the country but right in everybody's town yeah. we're seeing sightings I have a friend in Sedona who does the Sedona UFO tours. His guarantee is with his night vision goggles, you will either see a UFO or your money back. He has never given his money back to anyone. They see him every night there. Wow. Just like up at Mount Adams, you see it just about every night up there. And, and speaking of that Vegas event, that happened at Beltane, which is the exact opposite six months from, we're counting the hours now because... Oh, Halloween, right. Halloween will be the opposite end of that veil or the curtain draw. So there's there's a six month period between April and May, that hour when that UFO landed in the backyard of the family in Vegas. The next time that that veil will open up will be at midnight tonight. So look to the skies. <laughs> Thanks so much guys. I've taken it over cuz he's a wealth of information and I'm just I've got to I got to I got to get everything I can out of him while he's here. Uh, have a happy Halloween and Brad, please tell people where they can follow your work and get more Brad Olson. bradolson.com if you want to follow uh, different projects I'm working on or my conference schedule for 2024 already confirmed and a half a dozen conferences coming up. And then you want to check out my books, uh, the three books in the Esoteric series and other authors on cccpublishing.com. And if people order off of that website, they go through my office and I can sign copies for people. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Have a happy Halloween. Well, there you have it, guys. The one, the only Brad Olson. Please go and uh, help him out at bradolson.com. He's got a ton of information. He's always helping the most intriguing authors get their works out and he gets them out to you go to ccc publishing and check out what he has to offer as well until next time keep your eyes to the skies feet on the ground and don't forget to take a look around and really quick do me a big favor go over to heroparanormal.com remember for the price of a cup of coffee a month you can access all the content behind the paywall there's a ton of it and you can also get that through Patreon. Happy Halloween. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like an evizine. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off. Come blast off in my time machine. Third eye feeling like an evil scene. Blast off. Blast off. Blast off.